Lord, it is in your name that we come today to praise and glorify you, to listen to you through your word. So I ask that you would just speak to us in such a clear way that we walk out of here knowing it's a word from you. We thank you for what you're going to do, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, go ahead and grab a seat and grab a copy of God's word. Thank you, Greg. Are you glad you were here today? Hadn't it already been awesome? Like I'm telling you, man, that was a, just, a, just a wonderful time of worship. Uh, Pastor Lathaniel has been a little bit under the weather, and uh, I just tell you that because I think it's so amazing that we wouldn't have even known uh, because we have such a wonderful team that, that through the Lord's help he has assembled. Our uh, praise and worship team does a phenomenal job. Yeah, you can clap. You can clap. I'm really, really thankful for them for leading us and for our kiddos for helping us out today. It's just a a wonderful time. Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, I'd invite you to open it along with me to Psalm 19. Psalm 19 is where we will make a home. If you are new with us today, my name's Rusty. I'm the lead pastor here. And if you are joining us via the Internet, whether you're on the Crossroad app or Crossroad.live or Facebook Live, we're glad to have you as well. Uh, I know that some of you have seen this before we dive into the Word, but you know that's what we come to do. So we're going to do that in a moment. I do want to just get a couple of things uh, out there. Some of you have seen in the bulletin already, but today I just want to formally announce our Easter plans Easter's coming up here in just a few weeks, and uh, we will have our Good Friday service as we've traditionally done here at Crossroad. But that weekend, we'll do something that we haven't really done before, and that is on Saturday evening at 4 p.m., so really Saturday afternoon. We're going to meet up here for a family Easter egg hunt, and that's going to be awesome. We're going to have a good time letting the kids do that. Kids, are you excited about that? Yeah. Like the first service, kids were like, what? You know, they were pretty pumped about that announcement. And then following that, we will have a worship service in here at 5 o'clock. So uh, why are we doing that? It's a question that some may be asking. Well, traditionally, Easter Sunday has been a day that we really pack the house out, and we're excited about that. But we also want to create opportunity for guests to come and have a seat and feel welcome joining us. So that will alleviate a space, space issue. I tried to make that one word. Uh, by uh, adding a service on Saturday night. But after that, also, I think that Saturday night is an excellent opportunity for us as the people of God to invite people to join us for worship, that we can reach out to neighbors who may be interested in coming. Did you know, statistically speaking, the time that people who are not church attenders are most likely to accept an invitation is Christmas and Easter. People are interested in Jesus, and they're talking about Jesus during these times. So this is a perfect opportunity for you maybe to reach out to a neighbor and say, hey, would you like to come to church with us? You've got some kiddos. Y'all can come hunt Easter eggs and then come to church with me on Saturday evening. In a couple weeks on Palm Sunday, we're going to have flyers that we have printed for you with all this information so we can give those to you. You can take a stack as you leave and have something tangible to go throughout your neighborhood and invite people to join us for this. So we are really excited about this, and I hope that you are too. Start praying now with us on how God would use you in this weekend as we celebrate the resurrection, but maybe you would attend on Saturday night and just be a part of that. Maybe you would serve with us. There's a couple ways to do that. You'll see in your bulletin we are accepting donations of candy, and I promise to leave it alone, okay? Uh, but there, there's a, a already a spot out there in the lobby where you can donate that next week. Starting next week, there will be ways you can sign up to help. 
Some of you may come on Saturday evening to serve and then come worship on Sunday morning, and that is okay too. But all three of these services, whether you come on Saturday night or on Sunday, are going to be identical. So we'll have three Easter services, and we are excited about celebrating the resurrection and what that means for us as the people of God. So I hope you are as pumped about that as I am. Please join me in praying as we work our way Toward that. The other thing I wanted to say is, kids, y'all did an outstanding job today. It was super awesome. We can clap again for them. Man, that was, uh, that was so good. You guys are so brave. Can I just tell you that I get nervous when I have to get up here? So I'm so proud of you for coming up. And I don't dance around when I'm up here, okay? Uh, I barely do, you know, I, it's, just, it's just not my thing. A couple of them have my dance moves. I'm just uh, gonna throw that out there. Uh, but it's, it's just so fun to see our kids here and interacting with us and worshiping alongside us. Uh, we want to just let you know that this is really our heart for the church. What we see happening here today is really something that I would like to see happening more with our families. And that may sound weird to you because, well, if, you know, if we wanted our families to worship all together every Sunday, why do we have children's ministry on Sunday mornings during both services? And why are our youth going to be starting a study soon? Why will we do that? But here's the goal. What we want to happen, this is really just my heart for our young families. What we want to see happen is you bring your family to one service and you uh, come and worship as a family. And then in that next hour, you let your kids go to the kids' activities and your youth go to the youth study. And then you serve in the church, whether that's helping with the youth or the kids or maybe even on our hospitality team. But you spend that next hour as a parent investing in our kids and our youth by serving. Did you know that our ministries here, whether it's children's ministry, 412 kids or 412 students, these don't really exist as services to our members and our families. Rather, what these are, these are training wheels for us to teach you as parents how to disciple your kids. This is really what we're after. We have these ministries to try to encourage you and help you lead your children to the Lord and teach them what it means to follow Jesus. So let me just encourage you to pray about this. What would it look like for you as a family to come to worship regularly as a family and then take your kids to class while helping serve in the area that God would lead you to? Because here's what happens if we don't do this. Let me just kind of level with you here. If we don't do this, our kiddos are 18 years old and they have never learned the value of what we're doing here right now. And to me, that is a tragic thing. I want our students, when they're 18 years old, I want them to already have a heart for what's happening in here. Learning to worship together with the family of God. So I just want to tell you, obviously we know that many churches today, in fact a lot of you probably grew up in a church like this, where you basically roll in, get a latte, drop your kids off, and you're done for an hour. And I recognize that, hey, sometimes we need that, don't we? Parents, I feel you on that. But at the end of the day, what we want to do is intentionally lead our kids and our students to grow up with a love for what happens in this place. But I need to tell you that takes training and intentionality. This doesn't just happen. I know some of you are not here yet and you're like, "Ooh, that would be rough for us. Well, let me just tell you, it probably will be in the early going. I know that people have sometimes seen my kiddos in worship and they say, man, they're just so well behaved. Like my kids just wouldn't be that quiet for that. My kids just can't sit and be still that long. I, and that's good. Your kids can, but my kids can't. Here's what I would just tell you. Uh, they may look like that sometimes now. Number one, let's wait till after this service before you compliment them. Okay. Uh, number two, 
You didn't see the first six months they were doing that. It was rough. Um, and let me just tell you, God blessed me by letting me be the preacher and be up here. All I could do is give them the stink eye, and they didn't care. They're like, what are you going to do? Are you going to come down there? And they knew. They called my bluff. But my sweet wife, she would sit in the back. Mallory would sit with them. And I'm telling you, that first six months, there were a lot of trips back and forth. We've got to come out and have a talk. We gotta, And it took time to train them into that. But let me just tell you something. To me, it is such a sweet thing that even right now, Margie, my two, almost three-year-old, in fact, she'll be three on Saturday, her favorite songs are songs that she learned from Pastor Nathaniel and the praise team. And I love going home and hearing my kids say, hey, uh, Daddy was preaching from the Gospel of Luke today, or uh, you said Jesus. And I was like, yeah, you're right. She gets about what y'all do, okay? So uh, <laughs> some of you laugh too hard at that. That must be true. <laughs> but anyways, I just want to encourage you now. Now, okay, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not telling you that we no longer have children's ministry. We still have 412 kids during both services. And we know that some of you aren't at that place yet. But all I'm asking you to do is pray about what that might look like for your family. And that's my heart as your pastor, is to see you leading your kids in the way they should go. And I think one of the primary ways that we can do that is by modeling worship for them in here together. So just pray and consider that. Hopefully today will be a snapshot of what that could be for you and your family. So uh, with all of that said, let's dive into the word. That's what we came to do. Uh, Guys and girls, kids who are in the room, this is the reason we gather. We worship Jesus, then we open up the word and let him speak to us. Let's read Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the ends of the earth, its circuit to the end of them. There is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. and keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Will you pray with me again? Jesus, we come to you now asking you to do what only you can do, and that is speak to us. Would you speak to us through your word? We are here to listen to you. So I pray, God, that from the youngest kids in here all the way to the oldest people in here, Lord, would you speak your word directly to our hearts through your Holy Spirit? Thank you for what you're going to do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 
Well, we've studied the Psalms before, but just in case you don't really know what's happening here, the book of Psalms, right in the middle of your Bible, there's a songbook. Did you know that, kids? Right in the middle of the Bible, there is a songbook, the Hebrew hymnal, if you will, and I will. So uh, the, the Hebrew hymnal here is a collection of songs written by a variety of people, poems and songs that even in some church backgrounds today... They will sing these songs. Now, it doesn't look like a poem to us because it's in another language and it doesn't rhyme and things like that. But that's what this is. It's a collection of songs that teach us things all about our lives. In fact, there are psalms that speak into almost every single area of our lives as God's people. This particular one, King David wrote, you remember King David, the same one who killed Goliath with the sling and a stone? That same David wrote this song, and he wrote this song to intentionally talk to us about how God reveals himself to us, how God speaks to us, and how we as his people should respond to him speaking to us. So there are two truths that I think are really important for us to see as we walk through this text together. The first one is this, God reveals himself Through creation. God reveals himself through creation. Verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky proclaims his handiwork. A couple weeks ago, in fact, two weeks ago today, uh, we drove down to southeast Texas, my family and I, and uh, I asked you to pray for me. Let me just tell you, my kids deserve medals for how awesome they did traveling that far on the way down and on the way back. Ten hours in the car, and they did incredible. And I know I made jokes about Benadryl, but I promise there were no drugs involved, all right? They just they just did great, y'all. Uh, so thankful for that. But uh, you need to understand, some of you may or may not know, but I grew up in southeast Texas and actually spent several years there pastoring. So uh, of the three decades I've been alive, over two of them were spent in the piney woods of southeast Texas, literally just living in the middle of the forest. But here's what's crazy. It's been a while, obviously, since I've been. So as we're driving down, I just had a couple of moments where it just really hit me how amazing God's creation is. We're driving down the road, and I'm like, this road was literally cut into the thicket of the forest. Like, they just chopped down some trees and put a road here. As You look on either side, and it's just massive trees on both sides of the road. And it was beautiful, and it just reminded me of how awesome God's creation is. But when I was down there for two decades, do you, you guess how many times I drove down the road and thought, man, look at God's creation? Not very much. I remember when we moved to Wichita, one of the craziest things for us were sunrises and sunsets. I guess we had those two in Texas. You just couldn't see them because of the trees, okay? But, but I remember we were like on one side of the house, look, the sun's coming up. Isn't that pretty? Look at all the colors. It's so amazing. And then we would look out the other, the sun's going down, look at this, it's just so beautiful, it's awesome. But over time, guess what happened? It's been a little while since we were those weird people who watched the sunset every night. Because over time, we kind of start to take it for granted, don't we? We forget how awesome God's creation is. What David is doing here in the first section of this song is really trying to just reset our hearts and our imaginations To remind us to to wake up to the wonders of the world around us through this incredible imagery and this vivid word picture. He says, wake up and realize that all of God's creation is shouting his glory. He wants us to see his wonderful creation and let it point us to him. And in this first section, particularly verses 2 through 6, David's going to describe what it is that God is revealing to us through creation. 
I think a lot of times we're like, yeah, God, you know, we see all the creation. and It's like, yeah, God does exist. But God doesn't just point to his existence through creation. This text is telling us that he's talking about his character. Who God actually is, is revealed through nature. Notice here, let's just walk through these verses together. You'll see in verse 2, day and night reveal the knowledge of God. God knows all things. In verses 3 through 5, there's a clear demonstration of the power of God. The Almighty God makes a place for the sun to stay when it's not shining. Now, some of you may be into astronomy and say, that's not right. The sun always shines. Remember, David's not trying to teach us how the cosmos work. He's talking to us about how God reveals himself to us through creation. I love verse 6. It speaks to the consistency of God. The sun rises and the sun sets. It hasn't missed a day yet. So the Lord is still on his throne. He is unchanging, unflappable, and he is totally consistent with who he reveals himself to be. As the old hymn quotes from James chapter 1, he does not change. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. He is a faithful God. And he has revealed himself to us in his creation. Not one shadow of turning. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's revealed himself to his creation through his creation. Let me just encourage you this morning. Take time to be reminded of the wonder of God's creation. Whether it's a sunrise on your way to work, whether it's a thunderstorm rolling in, whether it's a beautiful landscape on a trip you get to go on, let it turn your heart toward praise. Don't take for granted the wonder that God has shown us. I think we need to ask the Lord to open our eyes to the wonders that are all around us. I think it's tragic that we live in a culture that is kind of robbed of wonder. Have you noticed that like nothing impresses us anymore? I think that's part of kind of the cynical culture that, that for sure my generation was raised up in. Like everything, we're just kind of like, meh, to everything, right? Like even amazing things, we're kind of like, okay, whatever, right? But we need to have our sense of wonder renewed again. One of the best things that I think helps us remember how amazing the simple things in life are, are these blessings that are sitting around us this morning, our children. And if you need a renewed sense of wonder in the seemingly ordinary things in your life, hang out with some kids for a while. The kids will be like, look, Dad, it's a green lizard. And I'm just like, oh, okay, cool. Don't touch it. Don't bring it over here, you know. Bubbles, isn't that, look, bubbles, that's so awesome, Right? We've lived here several months now, and we live right beside a major airport. There are planes in the sky literally every second of every day that you can spot. My kids are still not over it. Every time, whether they can reach out and touch it or if it's a speck in the horizon, it's a plane. They're amazed by it. I think we need some of that in our lives, adults. We need this renewed sense of wonder. It's been a blessing to be around kids because they just constantly remind me to look at the simple wonders in creation. These things that God has intentionally designed and created to point us to him. Take time to let God reveal himself to you through his creation. That would be enough right now. Some of you are like, that should be enough. Just close this bad boy. We can go home, right? But something incredible happens. And a song that has already been brilliant 
a poem that is already amazing, David is going to shift here, and it's interesting. A new stanza in verses 7 through 11, he's going to tell us this. God reveals himself through his word. God reveals himself through his word. Notice what's happening here. While to our senses, this seems almost like a sharp contrast, doesn't it? God is shouting his glory to all the heavens and the earth. He is shouting his glory to the whole world through this beautiful canvas that he has created in nature. Just look around you. Isn't it amazing? And then we have our Bibles. That almost seems like a very big step back to us, doesn't it, as we first ponder this. But just as we needed David's help to open our senses to the wonder of creation, church family, it's time for us to once again wonder at the glorious gift that is the Word of God that we've been given. David uses the wonder of creation to simply set the stage for the Word of God, the primary way that God communicates to us. Of course, at the time, David is probably not talking about what we have in our hands and in our laps today or in our electronic devices. Instead, he's talking about the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And at this time, these books existed, and they were important to them, but it's important for us to remember who inspired David to write this. We believe that God used David to write this, but that God himself is the author of Scripture. The Holy Spirit led him to write this down. So I believe that as the Holy Spirit told David what to write down, that he knew he had more to reveal to his people through the Gospels and through the prophets and then through the letters to the early church and in the book of Revelation. And we believe, though, that today God's word is complete and final and that everything we need for living a godly life is found right here in God's word. In fact, let me just tell you this. If you go somewhere and somebody has a, quote, new revelation, something new to tell you that's outside of God's word, let me tell you what to do. Run. Get out of there. Because we don't need anything else other than what's given to us in the Word. Second Peter tells us that we have everything we need to live a godly life right here in His Word. Theologians would call this the sufficiency of Scripture. That everything we need for faith and practice is found in the Word of God. We have all that we need right here in the Word. No matter the time, no matter the culture, this Word of God is true and it guides us. You don't have to work to make the Bible relevant. You don't have to work to make the Bible relatable or cool or any of that. It is immensely relevant. And those who have ears to hear, hear the Holy Spirit, the author of Scripture himself, speaking to us every time we open the Word of God. This is the Bible that David's talking about, even though he never saw it in its completed form. But let's notice how the Bible talks about the Bible. I'm always intrigued by that. Like, uh, here's what the Bible has to say about the Bible. What does the Bible call itself in this passage? The Bible is described as the law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord, the rules of the Lord. Does anybody like those words? Kids, do you like rules? No, like some of you are saying yes, it's because you're sitting by mom and dad. I get it, right? But we don't naturally like rules. We don't like commands. The world tells us that these are the types of words that rob us of freedom. These are the kind of words that hold us back. We don't like to be pinned down, do we? We want freedom to do whatever we want, and we feel like these kind of words hold us back from who we should be. The world tells us that it's words like this that are chains that rob us of freedom. 
But notice in this song that that's not David's experience, is it? Look at the text. You see that these laws, these rules, these commands, these truths, according to the word of God here, they are reviving his soul. They're bringing him wisdom. They're making him rejoice. They're enlightening him. They're purifying him and making him right with God. He sees these rules and he goes, glory, hallelujah, that's awesome. Isn't that so backward from how we usually think about these things? It gets crazier. Look at verses 10 and 11. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Better than all the money in the world is the word of God, according to David. And then it says, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Now, by the way, this was written when everybody in the world was on hipster diets, okay? A sugar didn't exist then. Processed food wasn't around. Honey was their sugar at this moment, okay? So they were all about it. So I don't know if it's just that I like food so much, but I relate to this. David is saying, better than a big bowl of fruity pebbles. Better than Chick-fil-A. Better than your favorite food. Better than your favorite dessert. Better than anything in the world. In the Psalms, it also says, better than the fattest portions of the richest food. Is your mouth starting to water a little bit? If so, then you're getting it. We ought to crave the Word of God. We ought to desire it more than anything else in the world. But here's the reality. We struggle with this, don't we? Like, none of you are going to walk out today and be like, I don't agree with that. Okay? Like, the point of this message is read the Bible and God speaks to us through His Word. None of you are going to walk out and say, I ain't going back to that church. That guy's crazy. Well, you might, but it's not because of what I said here, okay? We believe this. We know this, we amen this, and we feel this in our souls, yet if we're honest, what we believe and what we do don't really line up, do they? We struggle to actually live this out in our lives. Why is that? I think it's because we've seen the Bible in the wrong way. Instead of seeing the Bible as a source of life and a source of blessing, we've seen this as a book of laws and a book of shame. So here's what I want us to do in the last few moments we have together. I want us to regain and to renew our perspective on what the Word of God is. Far too many people today have bought into the lie that following Jesus is a do-it-yourself project. So it's a do-it-yourself project and here are the rules. Go for it, buddy. Here's the instruction book. Good luck with that. And our lives end up looking like that bookshelf you bought from Ikea that you still hadn't got put together right. The instructions aren't even in English. And you're just like, I don't even know what to do right now. By the way, that's what I'm going to do from now on when it comes to premarital counseling. It's going to take a couple, lock them in a room, and slide in a bookshelf and shut the door. And if they can get it together, okay, we're going to do a wedding, all right? Because I'm just telling you, early in our marriage, it was probably the greatest test that Mallory and I have been through was assembling a bookshelf. I think it's still, is that the one we have still in our, I think it still stands today. Yeah, so we did it, y'all. Yeah. Our marriage is so strong. Just look at that bookshelf. I hope we don't go home and find it. Like that would just, because of this, go home and it's down. It's like, wait a second. Uh, (laughs) But I think a lot of us, our lives end up looking kind of messed up and backward because we're not, we're trying to do it on our own. And if you take the Bible and say, you know what, I'm going to be a godly person. I'm going to read this and I'm going to do exactly what it says and I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to be the godliest person I know. You are going to fail miserably. But here's the good news, church. 
The same Jesus that saves you is the Jesus that stands ready to absolutely transform your life if you'll let him. Here's how that happens. When we come to the word of God with the right heart and the right attitude, we understand that he wants to transform us. He wants to transform us. Without his help, we can't do it. Verse 12 says, who can discern his errors? It's a rhetorical question. Nobody can. Our hearts are naturally bent towards self. We think, I got this. I can do this. But the reality is we can't do this. Our hearts are wicked apart from his redemption. So what David is doing here, he's saying God reveals himself through creation. He reveals himself through his word. And get this, when we see God for who he is, we realize that we don't match up. God is glorious. He is holy. He is righteous. He is good. And you and I are not. So we've got our eyes on ourselves. And when we see God's glory, instead of worshiping him, it causes us to look harder at ourselves and see how far we have fallen short. So when we look at God's glory through creation, it winds up making us cynical. And we're like, I'm just an ant in the universe. I don't even matter at all. You ever felt that way? When you see something big, it doesn't spur us to look to God. Instead, it makes us think about how small and insignificant we are. And when we look at the word and we see how glorious and awesome our God is, instead of saying he's so good and I want to worship him, instead of that, we say, man, I could never match up to that. And we end up running away from that. But what David is doing here is giving us a wonderful invitation to take our eyes off of ourselves and instead rediscover the wonder of who God is. To see his glory revealed through creation, to see his truth revealed through his word. And when you do, check out what happens. He actually begins to transform us. Verses 12 through 14 are a call to ask God to change our lives as we look upon the revelation of who he is. And as we make the word of God a priority in our lives, we're going to see him begin to clean us up. We're going to see him begin to make us new. We see him revealing sins that we didn't even know were there. And when we become a people who are always looking to God and his word, we're people who are saying, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So where does this leave us today? I want to challenge you this morning to ask the Lord to renew your sense of wonder. Some of y'all, I want you to take time this week to let him reveal himself to you through creation. I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe it's turning off the podcast or the radio on the way to work and just looking around and saying, God, has, keep your eyes on the road. But also seeing the horizon, <laughs> disclaimer, and seeing the sunrise or sunset and saying, God, look what you've done. You have revealed yourself through creation. Maybe you need to step out on the porch with your cup of coffee One day you may need a jacket, the next day you may need a tank top, but that's okay, just use wisdom. And take your coffee and just say, God, you have revealed yourself through creation. I find that I tend to do better when I spend at least a few minutes outside at some point in the day, just let the sky in my face, you know what I'm saying? We can just be cooped up so much and let it point us towards the Lord. But way more important than that is this. We need to ask the Lord to renew our sense of wonder in his word. 
And when we renew our commitment to get into the word, I believe God stands ready to challenge us and change us and make us who he wants us to be. I just want to just challenge you because I know that, that right now it's a busy time. This is a busy time of year. We're all the way back in the swing of things. And let me tell you, even doing good things can get in the way of what God wants to do in our lives. I've seen very Jesus-y things distract me from my relationship with Jesus. We've got things coming up like vacation Bible school, uh, camps, and all those kind of things. As the old saying goes, if the devil can't make you bad, it'll make you busy. Have you heard that before? But can I tell you something? You are too busy to not spend time with God. Because our lives are so busy, we cannot afford to not spend time with the Lord. When busyness robs us of our time with God, we're on a dangerous path. Sin begins to creep in unannounced, and before long we can find ourselves totally disconnected from the Lord and His work in our lives. Some of you are there today, and can I just say, I I know what's happening. I know what the enemy does. I know that the enemy basically comes in and says, hey, maybe you need to do something different. You need a new job. Maybe you need a new church. You need to do something different. because, And we start thinking drastic measures to fix things. But what you need to understand, that the most extraordinary change in your life can come from doing what seems like the most ordinary thing of all. But it's meeting with an extraordinary God through this ordinary means of grace that he's given us. Church, God wrote a book. He's revealed to us here in the Bible everything we need to live a life of joy, hope, peace, contentment. He's given us in this book everything we need to be able to fulfill our mission to reach, teach, live, and love like Jesus. He has given us everything we need to live for him. Let's ask him this week to renew our sense of wonder as he reveals himself to us. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? I've wondered how to lead this response time. I've spent time praying and thinking about it. And I know that, that this isn't a big, cool, crazy kind of thing today. But, but I think in this simple time you have right now, a moment with just you and the Lord, that what you do right now could literally change the shape and direction of your family forever. And that's if you were to right now say, Lord, Help me to renew my commitment to you through your word. So I want to give you just a moment in the quiet of this moment to just ask God to speak to you through your word and to help you be committed to listen to his voice by reading his word. Jesus, we're so thankful for the Bible. Thank you that you are a God who reveals yourself to us. Lord, you desire to know us. So you have revealed yourself to us through creation and then ultimately through your word. So God, I pray that if there's anybody here who doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, that they would know that you are a God who desires to know them and you have spoken to them through your word. I pray that you would bring people to know you for the first time today. Lord, for many others around this room, God, I pray for a renewed sense of wonder in the word. As perhaps this afternoon and tomorrow, people will be opening your word for the first time in a while. Lord, I just ask that... You would make your word come alive to them in a way that it hasn't in a while. 
And they would know beyond the shadow of a doubt that they had met with you when they listened to you through your word. That you would help us establish this rhythm into our lives and into our homes. God, I'm so thankful for our kids who've hung out with us this morning. What a blessing they've been to us. God, I pray that they each and every one of them would grow up in a home saturated with the word of God. So that they would grow up in your truth and knowing you in a real and tangible way. Thank you for what you're going to do. As we have heard you speak to us through your word, we respond to you in prayer. We respond to you in praise.